true party king, architect of the scheming mind palace. Welcome, zero zero one sixteen. I am your host, the <clears throat> true party king, architect of the neon revolution. And the way I see it, if we all have to wear these silly little masks, we might as well just embrace the fact that our government has instated mandatory Halloween time for the foreseeable future. So we might as well have a fun time of it. Next episode, I'll definitely get more into detail of how I'm positively embracing all of the negativity that a lot of people feel around our current, uh, I guess, situation, situationship, if we need to be specific. But this week, I have another special poem. This one is visually quite different even though looking at this box that I've been just casually keeping in the corner of the podcast space, <clears throat> you might not believe. But this box is more than meets the eye if you are watching the video version of this. Because despite being quite irradiant, on the outside. This box has a stale secret at first glance. However, it is the smell that is the true surprise. Normally, this box is the last of many, the surprise that many people witness once they've uh, seen many of my other little luminescent puzzle boxes with incredible interiors. And this is the, the one that catches them all off guard, because obviously they expect if the outside is so crazy that so would the interior, but this box, if we're going to quickly talk about it for a bit, is uh, representative of a time when I lost my sense of smell for many years, a, a trend that now many people are experiencing as a first sign of this virus which luckily, actually, some research just came out in like, UCLA and some other universities where they're finally being able to test people's uh, <clears throat> asymptomatic response to see if they have antibodies for this. And they found, I think they had something around 50 to 60 times as many people had these antibodies than we originally anticipated. So the death rate is basically identical to the common flu. 
Which is great news. I mean, there might be some people that are like, oh, you're making light of that? It's like, yeah, because now I guess that means maybe we were kind of overreacting. Who knows? Because, <laughs> you know, we just didn't have the sufficient data. We were misconceived into thinking it was much worse than it truly is. Similar to what the poem that was inside of that box is about. For this poem lies within what is a book that I will be revealing the contents of much throughout the foreseeable future is what I currently refer to as my burn book, but I feel as though the what, uh, what the name shall be will change over time. So, why don't we turn to what is the poem for this week? Why aren't bats beloved? <laughs> oh, what a, what a topic, am I right? Considering, well, we'll throw it up right over here to keep up for a while, but just as my traditional hyper-psychedelic visual art has moved to one of just a single luminescent color along with burn marks for, I don't know if you can see through this camera, but there are many holes in this page and many normal burn marks that I use to articulate, I guess, <clears throat> a new aspect of the bat. So without further ado, we will begin the reading. Why aren't bats beloved? As our only aerial mammal, bats are keystone creatures providing plentiful produce despite cultural abuse. Fear nests our nocturnal nature within our mind until faith enters and sees that nothing was there. So, let us get into the nitty-gritty <laughs> because I mean, the first part isn't, you know, that obvious. I sort of pointed out quite clearly bats being the only other aerial mammals that exist. I mean, that actually fly, because obviously they're flying squirrels, but they don't actually fly, they just glide. So it's the only mammals that truly fly. These creatures are essential. Like, without the bat, we wouldn't have many foods such as mangoes and agave, as plentiful as they are. For when it comes to barren areas where there aren't any trees, most birds are not willing to go over large swaths of area because of, you know, fear of predators. However, since bats are nocturnal, that they are more than willing to just fly around and drop a fat shit on the ground filled with seeds and sprout up 
sprout up a nice hardy tree that provides shade for more plants and more plants and then birds can then come through. So it's like bats are the initial trendsetters of where these sort of aerial creatures will fly. So, and as not only that, but they're also pollinators. Many of them are pollinators along with, you know, eating seeds. So they work in many levels. Not only that, they also eat a lot of insects that are terrible for agriculture. I should know as now that I'm becoming a farmer, I truly hope to see many bats. And we can go into, I guess, the few times that I have encountered bats out here in Tuscany, because obviously they're pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, they provide plentiful produce despite the cultural abuse. And yeah, because obviously there's a lot of pop culture that makes bats seem super scary, like with vampires. And I did have a friend that I, you know, when I presented it to the head person of uh, the artists of the Met group that said like, oh, bats are, you know, we're scared of them because of Hollywood, right? And I said, hmm, we should, you know, delve deeper into it. Like, why did Hollywood choose to represent the bat as a, as a scary creature? And it goes on from there. For if we continue to the next stanza, which is, you know, it's only a two stanza piece, but it is what it is. Fear nests our nocturnal nature within our mind until faith enters and sees that nothing was there. So yes, yeah, so bats, along with, I would say, other creatures that have got tucked away right over here, like the infamous rat, which ironically, this is the year of. <laughs> the rat. Oh, probably shouldn't have thrown it right at the camera. But yeah, so the rat and whoop, the mousy, mousy wousy. <laughs> I'll delve into these little creatures another time, more specifically, but they are very similar to us, are they not? They are mammals. They are, in fact, similar enough that scientists in the pharmaceutical industry use it to test drugs before they move on to human trials. Like, it seems to be quite common that a lot of trials will just go to petri dish, rat, or mouse, I forget. And then, yeah, human trials before eventually going to market. So, why, despite how similar they are to us, do we fear them so much? perhaps due to the, the plague, the bubonic plague that casts a lot of fear, but when you learn that actually squirrels imparted just as much of this disease as the rats, yet we don't fear them as much, it definitely comes more down to the fact that squirrels are, you know, they're fuzzy, they're cute, they, you know, they got the little bushy tail in the end. And, you know, when it comes to birds, why do we not see birds as sort of fearful as bats? 
Well, it's because they have feathers. They are quite different from us. And it is that separation, that distancing, almost like a, a cartoon, an animated cartoon that we feel a familiarity, a sort of like, oh, isn't that cute? That's so nice. You know, we don't think of it as us. There's a, there's a relative familiarity there, but it's distant enough that we're able to consider it cute like a dog or a cat. However, these rodents of the land and the sky, for lack of a better term, are too much like us and yet also very different at the same time as they mainly explore during the night. During the same night that many humans that we fear explore. So could it be that the bat and the rat have a bad rap because they remind us too much of ourselves? Just like I say here, where fear nests our nocturnal nature. It sort of holds back that part of us, that dark side along every human that we choose to ignore or we choose to assume isn't that prevalent, but it exists whether you know it or not, whether you can even accept your own darkness or not, it is there. And that is truly what the, the meaning of the holy man is. The holy man is not someone who is all good, all, you know, all divine. The holy man accepts both halves and has become whole. That is where the term holy most likely comes from. Did you just learn something there? Uh-huh. So yeah, so it nests the nocturnal nature within our mind until faith enters and sees that nothing was there. Because once you peel back the curtain of these creatures that we are so fearful of this dark side of even ourselves that we are so fearful of, we begin to realize that there was really nothing, anything, there was really nothing to fear at all. It was all just an illusion. It's all just an elaborate hoax. And we're now so much better as people once we accept it once we learn our true nature and embrace it, once we learn to embrace and love these creatures as much as we are able to embrace and love our true other sides of ourself, that is when we can commit to creating true beauty and good in this world. And that is why when it comes to even something such as this pandemic, this mandatory mask wearing and home ordering 
like stay at home ordering. I just embrace it. I just say, you know, we have just got to have a fun time of it, you know? If we're all going to wear masks, then let's dress up every day. If we're going to have to stay at home all the time, then we just got to redesign our home as like into a place that is more suited to living in. Whether that means, you know, shaving your hair off if you're balding a little while because who cares or dyeing your hair purple and green and whatever other neon shade. Like I should honestly fucking dye my hair neon just like get, get a neon strip, see what happens. Because, you know, if it doesn't go over well, who gives a damn? It's just me. Like I get to see myself every day. And as such, you could even just start making a blanket for it, for one. <laughs> Another glimpse for next time. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this little brief episode of the Scheming Mind Palace. <laughs>